You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, is my fantastic co host, Josh Schaefer. I'm your host for the evening, Blake Harris. Josh, Glad you were able to make it. I know the uh, traffic from Ontario was supposedly really bad, so glad that uh, it didn't take you five hours to go about 30, 40 miles. So I know you were probably in the car for uh, quite a bit, but I appreciate you knocking that out and uh, being able to record our first episode of 2023. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is we were actually going to do this episode two days ago, and we ended up pushing it back. Well... I get in my car, leaving the office, same time as every day, two days ago when we were going to do this, and I got home in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And now here we are today, and it takes me over an hour to get home. Um, it is what it is, you know? We're, we're, we've got Dodgers news coming out, um, so so eager to do a, a show today, and, you know, the traffic wasn't too bad because I was just itching to, to just hop on this the feed and, and, and stream with you today, Blake. There you go. I like you kind of gave a nice little tease for an episode coming next week. So originally we were going to record on Ooh. Tuesday because of Josh, we are set to interview a player on the Dodgers on the 40 man, probably on the opening day roster. But unfortunately on Tuesday, he was traveling to Arizona because he's starting to get ready for spring training. So expect that interview sometime next week. Again, he we're not going to. Uh, yeah. Um... I, I did say they're on the 40, man, so that does kind of limit the options there. But hey, of course, he or she. But uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a, a fun episode whenever we get to that. Again, just going to tease it at that. Not going to give too much insight there. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And there is some Dodgers news to get to. We're also going to be doing a mailbag answering questions from our listeners. But before we get to the latest news, before we get to the latest mailbag from all of our fans, make sure to follow the show wherever you're on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube. Head over to Instagram and give us a follow. I'm trying to make a push to get us to 100 followers, Josh. So if you are if you haven't already, go to Instagram right now. You can actually do it while you're listening to the show. We're going to keep talking. At Inside the Ravine, give us a follow and uh, help us reach 100, 100, 100 followers. I was going to say subscribers, but I think that's only YouTube. So help us reach that number by our next episode next week. And again, you guys can listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. We're on the Odyssey app because we are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We're also on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts. And I think that pretty much wraps up that little plug, Josh. So 
Let's get to the latest news. A bit has happened since our last episode about a week and a half ago, and the first that we briefly want to touch up on is Trevor Bauer. He officially was designated for assignment, and today he was officially released by the Dodgers. Now, in our previous episode, we kind of went over all the different scenarios that could potentially happen with Trevor Bauer. I think we both agreed that we wouldn't have been surprised if he would have been added to the 40-man, strictly for the Dodgers to buy more time to search for a trade or kind of just do a little more research. We didn't necessarily think a release was the automatic answer well the Dodgers they waited till literally I think the deadline I think the deadline was last Friday at like 3 or 4 p.m and it literally came in right at the very end saying the Dodgers were going to designate him for assignment they didn't release him because that would give them another week to see if they could find a trade and ultimately no team opted to trade for Trevor Bauer they didn't want to potentially pay the Dodgers a couple million to get him over he's currently on waivers right now so if a team wants to sign him they can sign him for only $720,000 again the Dodgers are on the books for the rest of that contract so uh, we talked about this again in our previous episode Josh Moore in depth this is just a kind of a quick were you surprised the Dodgers ultimately released him designated him for assignment and that a team didn't come calling for a trade and offer one or two million to potentially acquire him no I'm, I'm not shocked at all and I'm not shocked how it played out with the Dodgers waiting until the deadline to release him because I think that that was within their rights to do so and I think they um by waiting that long I think that freed up some time for them to make sure that the pieces were going to fall hopefully in their favor um in regards to like we talked about, potentially trying to seek trade and and shave off a couple million dollars um, from from the payout for Trevor Bauer. But also, um, I just think that I, I know, you know, I think in your everyday life, if something is there that needs fixing or you need to get rid of something, I feel like you and me, for example, like if my if my desk that I'm doing this podcast on was dirty instead of just putting it off i should just get rid of everything that's on it and clean it and make sure that it's fine and ready to go right but i think this is a very different situation where the dodgers were waiting until they absolutely had to to make the decision um and i think that they handled that well um and i'm also not surprised that they made this decision and after some time to to potentially seek a trade they end up releasing him and he and he goes through uh, the waivers and We'll see what happens after that. But I'm I'm not shocked at how things played out. Um, I'm not unhappy with the way that things played out um, in this particular situation. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, this kind of went pretty much how I thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, when it was getting towards, you know, 4 o'clock, a lot of people were starting to think, because it hasn't happened yet, is he going to be added to the 40-man? What exactly are the Dodgers doing? And... They released their statement, and then shortly after, Trevor Bauer released his statement. Now, I do get this because he said in his statement, this is the first time he's had an opportunity to meet with, you know, Dodger personnel ever since this event happened, you know, a year and a half ago. So, obviously, a lot of people thought the Dodgers, the second this was announced a couple weeks ago, he should have immediately been released. But I like the fact that they decided to fly to Arizona. They decided to meet with him. Whatever happened... Between those conversations, it seems like he said, she said between two sides. I guess only a handful of people actually know what went down. But you can't fault the Dodgers for 
wanting to actually speak with him, wanting to hear from him as kind of like a last-ditch effort. And like you said, there was no harm in waiting the two weeks. You know, play out all the options, see if you're potentially able to work out a trade, see what any kind of additional information you can have. So I don't fault the Dodgers for taking this down to the absolute wire. And I was a little surprised, especially now hearing that no teams have even, it seems like, inquired about him. Maybe teams didn't want to call asking for trades because they didn't want to have you know their team leaked as a team that's potentially interested. So maybe 29 other teams have absolutely no interest, but he's on waivers right now. He's a free agent. Again, you could sign a guy for $700,000. I think there was a report today from John Heyman saying teams are probably going to kick the tires because starting pitching is such a necessity and when you can get a guy that has the kind of talent for literally nothing you might as well take a risk so will he sign with the team that remains to be seen but as of right now the saga is officially over but with him being officially released and uh, off the you know off the Dodgers mind they're not necessarily uh, gonna have to be worrying about him on the field as much as they're going to have to worry about him off the field, Josh, because his $22 million, they got to officially pay it. And because of that, a move that they just made yesterday officially puts the Dodgers over the tax threshold, something we've talked about all offseason. They've been wanting to get under this number. Well, they made a trade. They're officially over it. Now, Josh, if I would have told you, you know, a couple weeks ago, the Dodgers would make a trade that would push them over the luxury tax threshold, you'd probably be saying... Wow, they must have picked up some asset if they're going out, they're going above that number that they've been trying to avoid all offseason. But if they made a trade, they must have been confident in the guy they're getting. Instead, they make a trade with the Miami Marlins to acquire former friend. Uh, you're going to have to go way, way back about a decade. Infielder Miguel Rojas. So Josh, before we uh, talk about the move, what it means for the Dodgers and my why they probably did it, what were your thoughts when you got the uh, notification saying the Dodgers uh, made this trade? I, oh, I mean, at first I thought, oh, okay, that's all right, interesting. I was surprised that it was an it was exchanged for uh, Jacob Amaya at least at first. Because when I saw the Dodgers trade prospect Jacob Amaya, you think, oh, like, who are they getting in return? And then you see it's Miguel Rojas, and you're like, okay. And I'm like, all right, you know, he was he was pretty good defensively last year for the Marlins. He was their everyday shortstop. Like, it, you know what? That makes – all right. And then you pull up the numbers, and then you start to ask a few more questions because, obviously, he is a former Dodger. Um, you know, he was – I mean, it's been a while. It's been since 2014. Um, he played just the one year for the Dodgers and appeared in 85 games. And you're like, all right. And then all these years with Miami and you're thinking, all right. But then you actually start looking at some of the numbers and he's going to be 34 by the time the season starts. Um, and, um, you know, if you're, if you're 34 by the time the season starts, he hit 230, 236 last year, something like that. So... It's, de it's definitely different than what we've seen from Dodgers shortstops in recent years where you're getting guys that are a little bit younger. You're getting guys that hit the hell out of the baseball uh, just consistently. And um, I don't think you're going to get that in a guy like Miguel Rojas, um, but you're going to get somebody that's probably a more reliable glove at short than the Dodgers have had in recent years, even with the likes of Seager and and Trey Turner and in I was talking with my roommate today. He's a Dodgers guy. I brought him up before and we were trying to figure out if 
who was the last great Dodgers defensive shortstop now that they now have the glove of Miguel Rojas. So uh, it's an interesting move. I don't totally, I don't hate it by any means. I'm a little bit surprised. Um, and uh, it is not what I was expecting the Dodgers to do this offseason, but I don't think that that means that the Dodgers have had a bad offseason. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking so. Obviously, when they had Manny Machado for a couple months, he was great defensively. But prior to that, I mean, between Trey, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, has it been great defensively for shortstops? And Miguel Rojas, the thing about him is uh, outs above average, which is, you know, one of the better defensive metrics in all of baseball, 98th percentile. So he's one yeah. of the best when it comes to defense. I saw some, you know, numbers on Twitter over the last 24 hours that essentially over the last few years, like defensively, he's been one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. I think he was a gold glove finalist this past season. So you're getting a significant, significant upgrade at the shortstop position. You're getting a guy that's been around for a decade. You're getting a guy that is widely considered to be a great clubhouse presence. And you know, he, like you said, he was a Dodger a decade ago, saved Clayton Kershaw's no-hitter, you know, back in 2014. So there is a familiarity there. It's just the question of, this is the guy that you decide is worth it to go over the luxury tax. Now, again, I, I forget what the official number was. It seemed like regardless of what the Dodgers did this offseason, they were somehow going to go over it at some point because they probably did need to make an addition. But I think he's making $5 million, is only under contract for one season. You get a guy that you can count on, you can rely on, that plays defense. Now, Josh, like you mentioned, with the bat, hit 236 last year, OPS of 605, OPS plus of 72. His best season at the plate came back in 2020, so just two seasons ago. Only a 40-game sample size, but he did hit 304, OPS of 888, OPS plus of 138. But that's kind of an outlier because every other season, OPS plus of 93, 89, 79, 103. So he's a below average, you know, hitter at the plate. But if he's your number nine hitter, if he's essentially what your pitcher was a couple years ago, I think if that's he can something hit that... 260 for the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, if he can like, hit 250, I mean, you'll, you'll take that. If he can post an OPS plus, it doesn't have to be 100 league average, but if he can get it up to 90... I think you'll take that. I think you'll yeah. you'll easily take that. So I think the Dodgers are banking on that because he's shown that he's capable of being a solid hitter. And again, you don't have he doesn't have to be an all star. Just be slightly below league average. Yeah, and you know what? Like his average of two thirty six was uh, his lowest since he was a Dodger in twenty fourteen when he hit below two hundred. And his OPS plus last year of seventy two was his lowest since twenty sixteen. So when it was 69 um, and with the Dodgers again, he, he was not very good at the play with the Dodgers. It was he had an OPS plus of 34 with the Dodgers back in 2014. But again, I, I don't know if that's exactly what the Dodgers are, are looking for in, in their shortstop right now. And look, I mean, for the, I put absolutely no stock in this. Let me just, let me just say this first of all, but major league baseball put out the most off season type of content the other day. And it was projecting the next 10 World yes. <laughs> Series matchups and winners. And this was before the Miguel Rojas trade. And they had the Dodgers winning in 2023. That's next season against who knows. That's how little I looked at this thing. They had the Dodgers winning next year. And then you put out what the Dodgers starting defense could look like. And there are still a lot of pieces in there and guys who can hit the ball. Um, and, I, and look, I think that the Dodgers, I think that, the Dodgers have flown under the radar this offseason. Um, 
Actually, I'll correct that. I think the Dodgers have been in the mix of everything this offseason, and everyone's been talking about how they haven't done anything, including us at, at times. We've been yeah. wondering what the Dodgers are doing. But the fact of the matter is that the Dodgers, without making any additions this offseason, were going to be a, a contender in some way, shape, or form. And they have plugged in the pieces that are going to help them solidify a roster that could potentially win a world series and they didn't have to go jump off the p- paper and make some unbelievable move like they have the last couple years. Um, and we've said that before too, but even without this Rojas trade, you look at the guys that could be starting for the Dodgers, at least defensively in the field. And you've still got all these top guys, both defensively and offensively. And you've got a designated hitter in JD Martinez. So, um, with all of that in mind, and then looking back at the trade for one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, who's got an outs above average that's in the, what'd you say, 98th, 97th percentile? 98th percentile. You can't get much higher than that. Exactly. You can't get much higher than that. And I think that over time, I've started to like this move even more. Um, and again, I, I don't I don't love it, but I certainly don't hate it. And if he can hit the ball at least close to average i think that's a that's an absolute win for the dodgers as long as everybody who's expected to hit the ball well is hitting the ball well like if mookie has a good year if muncie has a good year if freddie freeman has a good year and so on and so on and so on the dodgers need miguel rojas's glove i will say looking you know at his percentile rankings there is a positive that he does offer at the plate and it's the fact that he does not strike out at all his strikeout percentage was 95th percentile. His whiff percentage was 92nd percentile. His expected batting average was 77th percentile. So he's not striking out. So that means he's putting the ball in play. And when you put the ball in play, it's like what Jerry Hairston says all the time. Anything can happen, uh, you know, when you just put that ball in play. So this is a guy that's going to give a lot of contact. And like we talked about, he doesn't have to be an all-star at the plate the Dodgers aren't expecting that if he can be league average I think that'll be a success if he can just get that OPS plus again to 90 that's not asking for a whole lot and Josh the more I've been thinking about this I'm kind of like with what you said how you're starting to like the move a lot more when I initially saw this and I think everyone had the same reaction this is who your starting shortstop's gonna be but I don't think that's necessarily the case. Now, I'm still convinced that Andrew Friedman has some sort of burner account on Twitter because yesterday morning, Josh, I posted an article saying the Dodgers have a major issue and it's their bench. It's their depth. It's something we've talked about this offseason a few times. And I went in depth on this article talking about how their bench options were literally a bunch of rookies with no experience and a guy that they just acquired from the Oakland A's that has a career OPS of like 50 or so. In that article, Jacob Amaya was mentioned, so RIP there. But I think this is more of a depth piece for the Dodgers. I think there was a report saying they expect him to play second base, shortstop, third base. I still think Gavin Lux is going to get a lot of time at shortstop. But what this allows now, it allows Max Muncie to spend more time at second base. You can put, uh, you know... Uh, Rojas over a third base of Lux is at shortstop. You can put Rojas at shortstop, put Lux at second, put Muncie at third, put, put Chris Taylor in the outfield. So I don't think the Dodgers made this trade banking on Miguel Rojas being their everyday starting, starting shortstop. I think this gives them, you know, a guy in the eighth or ninth inning. You can move over to shortstop and add defensive, you know, gold glove caliber defense there. But I, I think this is a solid move for the Dodgers because as we've seen in years past, they like to rotate guys around the infield. They like to shake things up. And it kind of looks like it was going to be Gavin looks at short. 
Miguel Vargas to third, Max Muncy at second, and that was going to kind of be the everyday infield. But now, this gives the Dodgers more versatility, allows them to get more creative. I kind of view this, Josh, I don't know if you'd agree with this, as he's essentially replacing Hanser Alberto's role, but he's better defensively, and he does offer slightly more at the plate. Whereas Hanser, he was just supposed to hit left-handed pitching, and he didn't necessarily really do that all too well, and he didn't offer that much more. Whereas Miguel Rojas, he doesn't strike out, he has shown that he's capable of being above average at the plate, but defensively, he's four or five times better. So that's how I kind of view this, more of a bench piece that's going to see a lot of starts. And overall, like I just said, it really improves the depth because that was my biggest concern about 36 hours ago. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Now, my next question, though, too, is, you know, something that we've talked about a lot is potential trades that the Dodgers could do. Obviously, we talked about Brian Reynolds in our last episode or the episode before that and, and what could possibly happen there and if the Dodgers would be in the mix there and what they'd be willing to trade. But also, there was the lingering, you know, hope for the Dodgers that, they wouldn't be over the luxury tax. And now, of course, they are. Does this trade and and does the does the release of Trevor Bauer and, and this trade and the fact that the Dodgers are now over that marker, does that change their philosophy going forward if there's an opportunity to potentially bring in a guy like Brian Reynolds? Um, yeah. And, other th- and I know that that's kind of, you know, moving the conversation along, but I think that this trade really changes maybe that that philosophy a little bit. And maybe the Dodgers kind of made this trade looking like, yeah, we're, we're likely going to go over. So if we're going to go over, might as well make some other moves. I, I think it potentially could. You know, I, I forget what exactly, like, the numbers are. Like, once you go over the number, like, what it is until you get to the next percentile, then the next percentile, then eventually you get to, like, the Steve Cohen tax number. So I don't know how much more the Dodgers can spend before paying the next tax. But, yeah, maybe by officially going over, they look at this and say... All right, we're going over. Let's uh, bring in Brian Reynolds now since we're officially spending more money or maybe we swing a trade for someone else. Also, this could this could potentially mean, I know I saw an article, I think it was in Fangraph, saying the Dodgers could look to trade potentially Chris Taylor because he's owed you know $15 million a year for the next couple of years. Maybe a team will want to trade for him as he had some value. I think Blake Trinan was a name that I saw mentioned because he's due $8 million. So there are some guys the Dodgers still could potentially deal in order to get under that number. But I think that they're probably going to stand pat and like you said, maybe just say, hey, we went over. Let's just continue to go over and see uh, how we can improve this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I could totally see that because at this point it might be a kind of like you said, if this if if, if we're likely going to go over, we might as well go over. And I can kind of see that being the philosophy of, you know, we should make this trade. Give us depth. Give us an elite glove at short. Maybe not an elite hitter. But it's a piece that not only adds depth, but it also takes some of the weight off of guys like Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor. And then after the two of them, maybe that alleviates some pressure off of some other guys as well and some of the workload for some of these other guys at other positions. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I could see that changing the Dodgers' philosophy moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and we saw just recently in the postseason, not to single out Trey Turner, but he had a couple of plays that the Dodgers got extremely lucky in and it didn't cost them, you know, big time moments in the game, but he had errors that could have potentially been disastrous. Now the Dodgers, you get a guy 
for the most part, is flawless out there at shortstop. You need a really good defensive shortstop, and now the Dodgers have it. And again, it's only for one year, so you cut ties. And I saw another kind of interesting thing where the Dodgers are playing like 4D chess with this move because apparently, you know, they didn't view Jacob Amaya as potentially a future piece of the franchise just because he was great defensively, but with the bat, didn't offer a whole lot. Well, by trading him, Miguel Rojas likely isn't going to be back next season. You essentially just clear a 40-man roster spot that they're desperately going to need off next offseason when they have a lunch, bunch of top prospects that are going to be added, or if they want to make an additional splash in free agency, they're going to have one additional 40-man roster spot. So another reason why, again, the Dodgers, they're looking you know, towards the future. They're looking ahead. This could be a move that benefits them. And again, Jacob Amaya, he wasn't going to really have much of an impact with the Dodgers this season as Miguel Rojas was. So I personally got no problem with it. He's not the Destin Dodger that I wrote about a couple years ago, but hey, best of luck to Jacob Amaya. So we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be opening up the mailbag and answering questions from the viewers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com all right we are back and josh it's time to wrap up this show with a mailbag. Originally, it was just going to be a mailbag episode, and then we just ended up getting lots of Dodgers news, which kind of ended up helping uh, give us some things to talk about. So I turned to Twitter, I turned to Instagram, I asked our viewers what kind of questions they had in regards to the Dodgers. So again, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and on Instagram at Inside the Ravine, because a few episodes from time to time, we'll open up the mailbag, we'll turn to you guys to ask us questions. Our first question, Josh, it comes from MJ, and she actually wants to know about Edwin Rios. He, as you know, was released by the Dodgers about a month ago. Not not released, I guess non-tendered. He became a free agent. Hasn't signed with the team just yet. He's currently a free agent. So would you like to see the Dodgers bring him back on a minor league contract with the hope of him potentially reaching the big league club once again? As I talked about earlier, the Dodgers don't have a lot of depth, so... You know, they had a guy in Joey Gallo last season that was a left-handed power hitter. Well, you could be getting a guy just like that in Edwin Rios for pretty cheap who has experience with the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely surprised that he hasn't landed anywhere yet. Um, I don't know if the Dodgers bring him back. Um, I think that would be interesting. I wouldn't hate that idea. Um, I know that there have been – I know that his name's been tossed around a little bit um, as a potential ad for teams like – kind of more we'll call them up and coming teams i've seen a few articles tie him to the pirates for example um and you know i wouldn't be totally shocked to see a team like that make a move for him when you can get him cheap you can likely and and for him that's likely a team where you're going to see a ton of mlb action if not be an everyday player um so you know i'm not i'm not really sure i don't think the dodgers make a move for him but i would certainly be open to it um, if they did, if they could get it for if it was a right deal for both sides. But I, obviously, I, it would be cheap. Um, but I'm, I'm a little surprised he hasn't signed anywhere yet. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at Edwin Rios' numbers, granted, he only has 112 games under his belt. He has a career OPS plus of 109. This past season with the Dodgers, in his 27 games, it was 114. 2019, it was 161. 2020, 147. The only reason his career numbers are so down is because in 2021, he had that, like, insane shoulder injury where he was, like, 0 for 35 at the plate, but it turned out he, like, had a completely messed up shoulder. This is a guy, Josh, if you take his 162 game average over a full season, he's averaging 29 home runs. Now, granted, he's not giving you anything defensively, but with the DH now, he's a great bench bat to have. So yeah, the fact that a team hasn't signed him up until this point, I think is absolutely shocking. I would personally love if the Dodgers signed him to a minor league deal and they have him as a bench bat next season. Maybe when they non-tendered him, they weren't expecting their depth to take this much of a hit, but I would personally love Fred and Rios to come back. I think that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Our next question comes from Michael Whitman. How does the starting lineup shake out? So Josh, you're Dave Roberts. Opening day is tomorrow. You're uh, getting the lineup ready before you go to bed tonight. What are you uh, penciling in for your starting nine if opening day were tomorrow and the team's currently constructed the way they are? Well, um, I think that obviously some recent news changes that a little bit. Um, I I think for the Dodgers, I probably have um, your your obvious ones. Um, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman. I think I'd start with, with Lux at second base. Um, I think I'd start with Rojas at short and Max Muncy at third. And then in the outfield, um, I think from left to right, I'm going Chris Taylor, Trace Thompson, and Mookie Betts. And your designated hitter is uh, is JD Martinez. I think that's where I'm going for opening day. Yeah, if I mean, you tomorrow. pretty much, you pretty much, I think, stole it from me exactly. So instead of just replaying what you did, I'll just create a one through nine. I'll go Mookie Betts. At number two, I'll go Gavin Lux, just to have someone you know that potentially can get on base. I'll go Freddie Freeman at three, Will Smith four, Max Muncy five. Chris Taylor, 6. Trace Thompson, 7. Actually, I, I'm, I, I forgot about J.D. Martinez. I was just about thinking JD about all Martinez. the guys in the field. All right, so we're going to go back here. I'm actually, yeah. hmm, let's see. Okay, we're going to go Mookie Betts first. Have him hit leadoff. We are going to go, I guess Freddie, we'll have Freddie Freeman hit second. I think that's where he hit a, a good portion of last season. Mm-hmm. So I'll have Freddie Freeman hit second. Will Smith will hit third. J.D. Martinez will hit fourth. Max, Max Muncy hit fifth. Gavin Lux will hit 6th, Chris Taylor 7th, Trace Thompson 8th, and then you have Miguel Rojas hitting ninth. And I like that lineup. I, I Obviously, it's not as you know top-heavy as it was last season by losing Trey Turner, by losing you know Cody Bellinger, but actually you're not really losing much there. I think it's an overall pretty good lineup, but the only, the only question kind of being Miguel Rojas is your weak link. But again, if he's your number 9 hitter, you can live with it. Yeah, and I think that it's going to take some getting used to considering the Dodgers were so good offensively the last few years with some of the big names that they had in the lineup. But realistically, like I think that we're attracted to the name Cody Bellinger when, when, when Bellinger had not been very good the last few yeah. years, I think really like who, who's the only name that's really like not in that mix. Um, the, obviously there's Turner as well, both Turners, but Trey Turner, I think is the obvious one. And, and Justin Turner is, is definitely a missing piece, but Realistically, I think your your biggest loss in the, in the lineup one through nine is Trey Turner. Yeah. Because again, you know, you lose Justin Turner. Okay, that's disappointing. But you replace him 
with a veteran right-handed hitter in J.D. Martinez. So, you know, I think that that's kind of one for one there almost. But really, the rest of the lineup, I feel like the only piece that you'd be missing there is essentially Trey Turner, and that's and that's pretty much it. So, so I think that maybe it seems different. Maybe it's not as different as we think it actually is. Um, but again, like I, I think that that's really your your one link right there. And of course, we're going to ask the questions about Trey Thompson or Trace Thompson because of um, he's not a super flashy name, I don't think. But he was fantastic for the Dodgers last year. So yeah. I, I don't have any issues starting him there. Of course, if things don't work out very early on, then yeah, maybe the Dodgers make a move. Maybe they go for a guy like like Brian Reynolds or something like that. I would not be surprised, but at least to start on opening day, I don't think that's a bad lineup at all. And also, I like that I did the defense and you took them and 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 there you the go. <laughs> and again, adding what I talked about with Miguel Rojas, how it kind of is a solid depth piece because now you know some names that we didn't include are Miguel Vargas, James Zaubin. Where now by adding Miguel Rojas, you could put you know, Miguel Vargas at third base. You could put him in left field. If you want to give Trace Thompson a day off, you could put Chris Taylor in center field, put James Alman in left field. So there are still, you know, a lot of different lineups that you can pretty much come up with. And I agree with what you said is it seems like this Dodgers lineup is like going to be some 2007 lineup where they were winning 70 games. They were missing the playoffs. This is still an insanely good lineup. I mean, you have Mookie, you have Freddie Freeman, who are MVP guys already. Will Smith, one of the best hitting catchers in all of baseball. J.D. Martinez, who, again, we talked about this in a down season last year, was still an all-star, still posted like an OPS plus of 120. He's going to be a fantastic, you know, number four, number five hitter. Over the second half, we finally saw Max Muncy looking like the Max Muncy of old. Then you get Gavin Lux, who broke out last season. You have Chris Taylor, who had a lot of injuries last season, but when Chris Taylor's right, he's still a really solid player. And then again, you have guys like Miguel Vargas, James Outman, rookies you haven't necessarily seen a whole lot from that could really potentially become all-star caliber players. And then there's Miguel Rojas, who's just chilling, saying, hi guys, and uh, he'll be <laughs> posting his uh, OPS of, you know, just below league average, but that's all he needs to do. So I do think the Dodgers lineup is a lot better than people expect it to be. But again, because losing Trey Turner, losing Justin Turner, losing Cody Bellinger, a lot of people think the Dodgers lineup got significantly worse. Josh, this is a fun question, and uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Mrs. Dingers, which is a, a great name. I actually awesome. know her husband, who is Mr. Dingers. So you oh, got okay. Mr. and Mrs. Dingers. And cool. uh, I, I love Dingers. I don't know about you, but uh, I love me a good Dinger. Which position player is going to pitch this year now that Justin Turner and Hanser are both gone? So who do you think is going to lead the Dodgers uh, position player pitching with uh, innings on the mound in 2023? Let's let I'm going to do some quick, quick research. Okay. I. First of all, it's never going to happen. The best one, the funniest one would be Austin Barnes. Austin yes. Barnes pitching to Will Smith would be hilarious. It's not going to happen. The Dodgers would not do that. They would not take a risk like that. I will say, oh, man, let's go. Man, I really don't know. I feel like I feel like there are a couple of obvious ones, but now I don't know. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the roster right now. And it is tough to kind of take a look and figure it out. I don't know why, for some reason, I think Miguel Rojas could potentially be on the mound. 
Yeah. Just, I don't know why I got a feeling. Maybe like a J.D. Martinez, since he doesn't have to play in the field at all. So kind of where I was leaning. Bring him out. But outside of that, I mean, your options are pretty limited just because. Yeah, honestly, actually, that might be one. I've never even seen the guy play. I don't know what he's going to look like out there. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that's... It's just because it seems like he's like a Hauntzer 2.0. Just because he's kind of tiny, super utility infielder. He seems like a guy that might be like, all right, coach. All right, Dave. Uh, I want to do it. But yeah, looking at the rest of these guys, the options... I don't know, maybe like a James Outman. Just because I feel like James See, Outman has that kind of swagger that would be kind of... He'd volunteer. I, I literally just looked up James Outman position player pitching. And, and I couldn't find anything. But that, my first thought was James Outman. He has the swagger too. I will say yeah. he has the the swagger. So maybe he maybe he does it. But I I, I forget what the record was that Hauntzer set last season. But it was something incredible. Like he appeared in more games than like any pitcher in like a hundred years or something like that. Uh, I think he appeared in like eleven or twelve games. Like you take Shohei out of the mix. But he, he set some insane record last year because the Dodgers had so many blowouts and he just became like the everyday guy. Josh, I don't know if you have like the numbers up by chance in front of you, but I think Hanser Alberto might have finished last season with a better ERA than Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if, he... if you can get those two quickly, but he okay, might have so finished. He finished in, in 10 games. He pitched 11 innings. Right? Does that sound right? I think so. 11 innings. Across ten games, an ERA of four oh nine. Okay, that's pretty pretty good. <laughs> All right, four oh nine ERA. Craig Kimbrell's ERA in sixty three games was three seventy five. Ah, I because I think he it, had that surge like in the second half of the he season. He had that like, surge at the end of the year. I will say for a closer at three seventy five. Nah, nah, not great. His <laughs> whip, his whip was. 132 mm. let's uh, and uh and hanser's was what was hanser's whip hang on it's loading hanser's whip was 118 <laughs> elite we'll take it elite we'll take it. <laughs> does, before you get off hanser's page does it have what his fip was by chance uh or did he not have enough innings to qualify for that no also this is just the the mlb I think maybe baseball reference would have that, but I don't right. know. But MLB.com doesn't have it. Let me go back to, um, I, I should have just pulled up two different tabs. I was using the same tab. Um, oh, oh boy. Their, yeah. His, their his batting fit. average against <laughs> batting average against. Um, oh yeah. Kimbrel's was, Oh, wait a second. Kimbrel's was 277, and Hanser's was, 238 that's pretty close that's pretty <laughs> there you close. go uh i looked up hanser's fip which is like the number that everyone's starting to kind of use more than a year yeah. right now where it truly determines the pitcher's value yeah hanser's fip was 6.38 so he was getting kind of lucky on the mound but hey we're gonna need people so i, I what was your final answer josh i think i kind of settled with james outman and miguel rojas but what was your final locked in i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with uh We'll start with J.D. Martinez, and then just just for the sake of the sake of it, uh, Yanni Hernandez. Hopefully, I mean, again, hopefully we get him. It's kind of not as exciting as it used to be because it seems like it happens so frequently now 
where especially with the Dodgers last year, it seemed like an every week kind of thing. I remember back in the day, like you'd see it on Twitter, like, oh my God, this position player's coming in to pitch, but now it's kind of just the everyday norm. All right, Josh, we got time for one more question. This comes from Johnny Good. Johnny Good. Will Gavin Lux break out this year? So, you know, we talked about him still potentially being the everyday shortstop. He's going to get a lot of runway. He's going to have more expectations than he did last season. So is this finally, I guess, I guess last season you can technically say he broke out, but I think that's just because he was so bad prior to that season. I mean, last year, you know, he had 276, OPS of 745, OPS plus of 105. League average right there, numbers defensively didn't offer a whole lot. Only six home runs in 129 games. So, again, when he was as bad as he was, I guess that's technically a breakout. But, Josh, do you think he's going to maybe take the next step and become a potential top three vote finisher in all-star voting at shortstop next season? Or are you expecting another kind of year that he posted last year? No, actually, I think that this is going to be a big year. Um, I I think... um... We saw flashes of that last year. And remember, there was this one game where I'm listening to the radio and they're talking about how Gavin Lux has one of the best road batting averages in the National League. And I texted you and I was like, did I hear this right? And we looked it up and we were like, oh my God, he's like number one in road batting average in the National League. And I think that obviously he had a few ups and downs throughout the year, but for the most part, I didn't think he was just average. I actually thought he was pretty good for the Dodgers last year. And I think the overall numbers skew it a little bit because of a couple of the trends that he went on. Um, But yeah, you know, I think this is going to be a good year for him. I think that he has the potential to hit uh, above 280. I think that he's going to have a better OPS and an OPS plus than he did last year. Um, And I think that obviously the Dodgers are going to rely on him a little bit more than they did last year. So uh, I'm excited for, for Gavin Lux this year. I certainly hope he, he improves and, and continues to build on where he's been at, because even if you look at his last couple of seasons, he has actually started to build a little bit more year after year after year. And, and sure in 2019 and 2020, he didn't see very much action. His first real kind of full year per se was 2021. Um, but again, like you saw him build on those previous two seasons where he didn't play a ton of games, you saw him build on that. And then in 2022, you saw him build on that again. So I think the trend would have him, um, I think the trend say that, that he's likely going to continue to build on that after last year. And, and if he does, then I think he's going to have a good year. I mean, I, I just went and I was looking at his numbers, comparing them to some other players, Josh, this might blow your mind when I tell you this, but last season, Gavin Lux had a higher on-base percentage than Mookie Betts and Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. So, and I've said this, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I, I've been saying this pretty much ever since last season. If Gavin Lux, who, like I said, hit six home runs last season, had 20 doubles, did actually tie the major lead, major league lead in triples with seven, if Gavin Lux can hit 15 to 20 home runs and 25 to 30 doubles, he will be an all-star uh, caliber shortstop. I mean, he gets on base. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He's super fast, has a really high walk percentage. He's posting an above average OPS plus with essentially no power. Like over the last two seasons, he's played in 231 games and has 13 home runs. If he can just hit 15 to 20, he will be 
an amazing, amazing player. And I definitely think he could take the next step because we saw last year, although, again, he didn't take the next step when it comes to his power, we saw his plate discipline look significantly better than the year prior. So I, I do think this could be a breakout campaign for Gavin Lux because he did hit like 30 to 40 home runs, I think, in AAA, which granted the balls are a little juiced, but not every player is able to hit 30 home runs down there in AAA. So again, he doesn't need to hit 30 at the big leagues, but if Gavin Lux can hit 15, he'll be an all-star caliber shortstop that could be a really valuable piece for the Dodgers. So hopefully he takes that next step. Josh, the crazy thing is with Gavin Lux, it feels like he's been around for so long already. We've been hearing about him for so long. He literally, just a month and a half ago, turned 25. Yeah. I mean, he's younger than me. I know you're kind of weird in age, so I don't believe you're 25 yet, Josh. Is that correct? No. Nope, so he is slightly older than you, but 25 in baseball years is, you're like a couple years from your prime. So there's still a lot of potential that Gavin Lux has not tapped into yet. So I'm excited to see where he potentially goes in 2023. Also, according to his percentile rankings, I don't know if this is necessarily just like a certain position, but his outs above average was 81st percentile, which seems, I don't know, because there were a lot of times where I'm watching him going, what are you doing? But I guess the advanced metrics love him defensively, so... I guess we should love him as well. So I'll, I won't argue yeah. with a baseball savant. I won't argue, nope. but that does uh, wrap up our mailbag. Thank you to everyone who was able to submit questions. We couldn't get to all of them, so we appreciate those who submitted them. Josh, before we head out for the week, any uh, parting words, any uh, thoughts, concerns, questions, uh, grievances that you have with the Dodgers no. or anything? No, 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 I'm okay. Um, no, no, no grievances this week, no questions. Um, but I, I, I do want to reiterate, um, if you're listening to this show, you definitely want to want to tune in next week as well. Yes. So stay tuned for that again. Make sure to follow us on social media at inside the ravine, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You guys can find us there. We're posting almost daily now, posting some kind of fun stuff over there. So make sure to follow for all your fun Dodgers content. And again, you guys can listen on the Odyssey app. We are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We're also on Spotify and we're on Apple Podcasts as well. I know I just plugged the handles, but again, help us get 100 followers on Instagram. Make sure to follow us there. It literally takes five seconds. So that's all I got to do. Josh, you're following us. That's that's nice. I follow yeah, them. You know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a company man. What can I say? Yeah, so... Be like Josh, follow at Inside the Ravine on Instagram. But again, make sure to stay tuned for next week. Going to be a fun interview with a player on the Dodgers 40-man, potentially on the opening day roster. We'll have to uh, wait and see. Unfortunately, Mookie Betts was busy, Josh, so he couldn't make it. So I'll just, I'll, I'll you know, just say that. we Mookie's a little too busy, but he said next time. So at least we got that going for us for the next time. You shouldn't have so, said anything. I know, but I, I wanted people to know that, you know, again, that we're expecting Mookie. He said he's bowling next Thursday, so he's not able yeah. to come on. Tough. So whatever. As Siri, <laughs> as Siri just for some reason is going off on my computer and messing everything up. But again, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Make sure to follow the show wherever you guys get your podcast. Leave us a review. Let us know what you'd like to see us talk about in the coming weeks. Because before you know it, Josh, spring training is going to be here. Pitchers and catchers report in almost exactly one month. So before you know it, it's going to be time for Dodgers baseball. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend, wherever you may be.